When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We brought you damn good beer, and now we're delivering to you damn good beef. And it's so damn good that you can actually get it at the DMVR bar. That is right. We couldn't resist putting Hassle Cattle Wagyu beef in the bar. It's so good. And uh, I just, I was about to plug it. I was like, I didn't wind up getting a burger. I went down there for a burger, but Kale didn't finish his sandwich. So I just finished the sandwich. Um, I'm regretting it though. I'll say that. I would have loved to have had a massive burger. I've, I've said this before, I think on this podcast, but the one that has the, uh, like the green chili cream cheese on top of the Wagyu beef with a massive onion ring. Um, Immaculate. I give it, I give it an eight and a half out of ten. The one and a half is docked just because it's like it's probably I don't know I'm not good with size. It's probably at least like five and a half six inches tall, and I can't get the whole thing in my mouth, which is maybe a little bit nitpicky, but it, I will say that's a massive burger. Um, super good though. Really tough to find anything to complain about, and they have a bunch of other great products too. Uh, whether it's the steaks, whether it's the sausage, whether it's the New York strip, the beef bacon, so many different options from Hassle Cattle Company. And it's all made with the very, very best beef out there. It's Wagyu beef. They call it blue collar Wagyu because they make it affordable for every man and woman. And they can ship it to any man or woman in the United States. All you got to do is go to HassleCattleCompany.com. That's H-A-S-S-E-L-L CattleCompany.com. Use the promo code DNVR10 for 10% off your order. Again, that's DNVR10 for 10% off. Check them out. You won't be disappointed. And welcome in to the DNVR Draft Podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Forgot that it was my job to say that. Um, I'm Henry Chisholm. I've got Justin Michael, uh, Jake Schwanitz, and uh, no Andre Simone, again, because he he just keeps getting more and more important to this company, and that means that he gets to do less and less of the things that he likes to do. He's going to be back here at some point in the near future, but he's just a busy guy, and honestly, all of us are busy guys. Uh, Justin, give us a, just give us a quick life update. Dude, I have slept so little this week. It, it's been both glorious and terrible. You know what I mean? Like, I'm I'm so stoked that college football is back. It's nice to be in the grind. I was looking at the site today, and I've done like 11 articles and six podcasts in the last seven days, or something like that. It's been yeah. it's been wild, but it it's definitely nice to have college football back. I'm really excited. I am just very, I'm currently functioning on, on so little sleep. So I'm going to try and stay awake throughout this as well as, you know, the rest of this Boise state UCF game. It's currently 24, 14 at halftime as we record. 
but we've got plenty of college football to talk about, plenty of draft implications, do a little bit of pick them later. It's going to be a fun night. It's going to be a real fun night. And I think me and Justin might just be both a little bit loopy because uh, it's college football season. And like, like today was crazy. Yesterday was crazy. Tomorrow I'm playing in that golf tournament at 8 a.m. Also going on with Vic and Moj on altitude at 8 a.m. Are, are you doing, you're doing that too, right, Justin? Yeah, I'm going on at 8.30. So it's an it's a altitude DNVR collab kind of day. We're both going on with uh, Vic Lombardi and, and Mark Mosier and, and Kane, Brett Kane. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's cool to see the interest though in college football as a whole. You know what yep. I mean? Like sometimes I'm, I'm sitting there thinking like, why don't the Denver radio guys hit us up a little bit more? So it, it's nice to see our hard work getting recognized and I'm excited to just finally have some games to talk about some real life games, not games. Jake and Henry and I are diving onto YouTube from 2019 from 2020 games that are happening right now. They're here. It, it feels like an actual college football season. Yep. If Vic and Moj expect anything from me other than talking about baby Ralphie, <laughs> they're about to be disappointed, but yeah, crazy day from there, straight to the tailgate, straight to the game. I've got my show at 1230, like after midnight tomorrow, just crazy. Hey Jake, how about while we're doing this, what's, what's up with you? Oh man. Uh, busy over here too. I mean, of course, football season starting up, but uh, you know, you got work, you got to worry about all these bets that are coming in about fantasy teams. Uh, of course, DNVR work. It's just, it's our time of the year, boys. It's time that we uh, buckle down and prove uh, why we're here, right? Exactly. Exactly. And we should probably start doing that because what we're here to do is talk about these football games, which first of all, so so we're recording this. It's currently 944 Mountain Time, Thursday night. And I feel like half of the college football week is already over. Yeah, it's already been exhausting so far. Already some headlines, already some injuries, um, a potential upset that was brewing in uh, Minnesota for a bit there. But yeah, it's it's football season, boys. Yep. Let's just dive right into that one because I think Minnesota hung better with Ohio State than just about everyone was expecting. I guess it's not surprising, right? I mean, Ohio State, new quarterback, Minnesota coming off of a down year in which they probably underperform. They're at home. They have the big team coming into their stands. They've got the fans in the stands again, but what's just kind of like, what's your gut reaction after watching that? I mean, I remember, especially when Minnesota went up in the first half, I was like, all right, do we actually have an upset brewing? But the talent of Ohio state in the second half kind of, kind of, kind of comes through in the end. Yeah. My big reaction was just how much of a drop-off this team is already seeing in the quarterback play from Justin Fields to CJ Stroud. Um, of course, CJ Stroud was a highly touted player and he did have some nice plays uh, tonight, but it's just wasn't up to where Justin Fields was. Um, you know, that accuracy that Fields was so good at showing off. It's just not quite there with Stroud yet. Also could be, be fair, just a little bit game one, but I exactly. think you're spot on with your evaluation. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, ahead, you know, Justin pointed out like, it's it's it went totally different than everybody expected. Like we didn't expect Minnesota to be able to hang with them. Nobody expected that except Vegas. Like, I think all of us were looking at that minus 14. Like, what are you thinking? That was my DraftKings pick of the week on the bus pod a couple of days ago. Today we recorded TDSP and that was the one bet this week that Dre bought brought up. And I think we're all kind of on that same page of being shocked, honestly, that they were able to keep it that close. Um, what what do we think of Minnesota now? Well, it's tough to say now, especially since Mo Ibrahim has gone down. True. Unfortunately, it looks like an Achilles, um, and he really was 
the engine that was pushing that team forward. Tanner Morgan, a bit iffy uh, throughout the night. Um, How long has that you, been their quarterback? I mean, it feels like Tanner Morgan has been <laughs> under center for Minnesota for half for like 20 years now. Those are my favorite guys in college football. Like it makes it easy to be a fan. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. But I mean, a couple of drop picks by Ohio state also. So this game could have definitely sure. gone over that 14 point spread. Um, it's week one though. I mean, I guess, you know, Vegas kind of won out by people jumping on the big name, Ohio state. When you look at the matter of fact is it was Minnesota at home uh, with that atmosphere, all these fans back. I mean, they have, they had some, uh, the, the wide receiver didn't play. Um, I can't remember his name. It's hyphenated, but Mo looked good for a while. It's just unfortunate. He went down this spread probably would have been a lot closer if he would have been able to finish the game. You brought up home field advantage there. Are you buying more into home field advantage this season, especially early, like week one, week two, just given the fact that there weren't fans in the stands last year and you know, the added juice that that could bring, because I mean, we could see like on the broadcast, it was a rocking atmosphere in Minnesota and that's great to see, but at least in my mind, that feels like a pretty significant advantage, at least early in the season. I totally agree. I totally agree. And that's not something I'd really thought of until you brought it up. Um, other than with CU, but that's just because you've got Ralphie, a new Ralphie and there's just a different like piece there that people are excited <laughs> about. But I do think that that is a factor. And honestly, like beyond just being a factor in the results of the games, I think, I think it's almost in a weird way, like good for college football in that I think maybe, maybe students, for example, realized how much they missed the ability to go football games. Now they will start packing those stands. Now, obviously that isn't quite what happened with UCLA at the Rose bowl last week, but I don't think that that problem is solvable regardless. But I, I do think though, that this is a little bit of a shift and I really like it. Yeah. I mean, we're going to see these big home field advantages come into play. You know, when the swamp gets rocking, uh, when death Valley gets rocking, it's going to be a completely different situation than how it was last year where it was just, you know, yeah, you had to play on the road and maybe the travel affected to that uh, played into that, but now the fans are actually going to play a big role and we're going to kind of see home field advantage, I think play uh, it's rightful role in this season. Well, it's funny because I just brought this up and, and now I'm going to kind of pivot and talk about UCF Boise state. I mean, UCF, their plan at home against Boise state. Granted, they had a big weather delay in this game. It got delayed like over an hour. UCF gets off to a slow start. The Gus Malzahn debut Dylan Gabriel returning at quarterback. I was pretty confident that this was going to be a tough matchup for Boise state. I'd said it on record multiple times that I expected UCF to kind of win this one. Then they jump out to a really slow start. Boise state comes out, puts a couple of quick scores on the board. Got some fun G5 football. It's it's nice that we've got some intriguing matchups right off the bat. We get a good Ohio State-Minnesota game. We've got a, a matchup with Boise State-UCF, which had some intrigue. It got delayed. That's a bummer. But it's 24-14 at halftime. I mean, it's competitive. Kind of an, an ideal start for the college football season. Yeah. And even, like, obviously, I've been kind of tuned in to the, uh, the Pac-12 games. Um, ASU just scored again. But but it was they got five, 10 minutes into the uh, second quarter, only up six on Southern Utah. Like there was a bit of a fight there. You watch one week the, after they got smacked by San Jose State. So that's kind of saying something, you know, Arizona true. State expected, you know, we've been talking about we expect them to make some noise in the Pac-12 this mm -hmm. year. 
not really the, the strong indication we were looking for. I mean, part of that, maybe just with all the chaos going on, I mean, they've got the investigations with the coaching staff, all kinds of factors. Maybe they slept on the Southern Utah team a little bit, but that's the beauty of college football, right? We get a competitive big 10 game. And then all of a sudden we get a, a bottom dweller FCS team, given a team that we expect to make some noise in the PAC 12, a run for their money. Yeah. And there's still time left and we'll see what it winds up being. But even the Utah Weber state game, that was another one where uh, it what 13, seven, a, a little bit into the second quarter, like both those games, at least they were competitive, which was a lot of fun. And, and with, uh, both Colorado state and CU playing FCS teams tomorrow, obviously like South Dakota state's in a little bit different tier than all these Weber's getting up a little bit closer to them. We don't need to go through all that though, but uh, it will be kind of interesting just to see, is this a trend that, that maybe the, the first quarter or so there is a bit of a feeling out process in these games and who knows, maybe there's an upset. That would make sense, right? After last year. And then I'll let Jake go because I kind of cut him off there. But I mean, just the wonky circumstances. We're getting back into the the feel of things. I know talking to Steve Adazio this week, he said, you know, he felt like it would be a little silly to ignore that fact. You know, the, you know, the fans back in the stands, the energy of it all, just the natural adrenaline that comes in the first quarter. All these guys are going to come out amped and ready to go. Sometimes it's hard to execute when you come out with that much energy. Absolutely. And another another big variable I think is too all these guys returning that didn't play last year the opt outs. I mean, you know, you Great look point. at someone like Minnesota, uh, Daniel Falele, the right tackle, was out there mauling people. Um, you know, it's good to see that kind of come back, and it's going to be a huge factor for a lot of those guys that didn't want to play last year. And with those FCS teams, half of them played the spring season. And Justin and I had a chance to talk about this a little bit earlier on TDSP, which will be out tomorrow, and you guys should listen. But is that a positive for them being able to, to be maybe a little bit more in rhythm because they played five, six games or whatever this spring, instead of just having a spring camp, like, like the FBS teams did, or are the bodies worn out? I mean, based on what we've seen, I I think it's been helpful for them. A lot of competitive games against FBS teams. I mean, Eastern Washington right now, they're down six, three to UNLV. Not that UNLV is, you know, a, a team that we're going to use as a indicator for the competitive balance in the FBS or anything like that. But I just think it's an indicator that a lot of these teams are hanging in. Adazio said he thinks it's a strength. I'm somewhere probably in between. I do think there is something to be said about the fact that, I mean, you assume that at the end of a regular season, normally that's when you would hope or expect to be playing your best football, right? A team like South Dakota state, they were doing this in May. That's not that long ago a lot of these guys should be, you know, still in rhythm in the function of things, but I mean, it's a physical sport. It's, it's really taxing. What kind of impact does that have on them earlier? They cramping up, you know, does the toll of playing in May start to come into play in September? It's, it's just weird. I mean, we're coming off of an unprecedented season and going into another unprecedented season and just like completely different circumstances. Makes, makes it kind of hard to evaluate from a talent perspective, from a game pick picking perspective, but I, I love it. I love the chaos of it all. Well, I think it's worth mentioning. We already had our first FBS uh, upset to an FCS team. UC Davis beat Tulsa tonight, uh, 19 to 17. Probably the only time we'll talk on this show about those two teams, but it's worth mentioning. I mean, I think we're going to see a lot more of that. Um, you know, it has become more frequent 
um, in the past five to 10 years that we'll see these FCS teams really kind of step up to the plate and bring it against these FBS teams. And I think we're just going to see more of that this year. My mom's been camping for like four days, just got out of the woods, saw four grizzlies, <laughs> just Montana stuff, you know, just, just normal Montana everyday stuff. Uh, saw a couple the... of grizzlies today. How's your day? Yeah, just, just four. <laughs> Any of them, uh, the bear that you saw on the, the golf course, Hank? No, that was just a little black bear. So <laughs> lame. I don't, but yeah, uh, let's, let's get into a couple of these other, uh, games that, that, that are going on tonight. I think we touched on a lot of them. Um, but coastal Carolina, a big story last year ranked in the top 25 going in this year, they had a big blowout. Sure. They're playing the Citadel. So maybe it doesn't matter that much, but 52, 14, catches your eyes um any, anything else that that went down this week before we jump back and talk about some week zero games um real quick tonight nc state completely dismantled south florida 45 to nothing um a team that dealt with a lot of injuries last year devin leary um didn't finish the season for them their quarterback came back had a nice game uh, 17 to 26 232 yards two touchdowns a pick and then Ameka mezzi uh their big wide receiver five receptions 71 yards so um nc state's looking strong Tough day for South Florida fans, man. Report comes out that Central Florida is a, a leading candidate for Big 12 expansion, USF out of the picture, and then you just get absolutely rolled by NC State on, on national television. My condolences to the Bulls fans. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so here's a plan. Let's, uh, let's jump back to week zero. Let's talk about those games, take a quick break, and then talk about the upcoming games. Wait, nope, that makes one break. Let's take a break right now, then talk about the Week Zero games. Audible, then, Omaha. The, yes, yeah, the big Audible. This, this is why we talk these things through. We don't have Dre to guide us. Um, so the break's probably on me. Uh, let's, let's hey, you uh, know what, guys, I got you. Football's right around the corner. Get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. With the NFL returning, DraftKings is giving new customers $200 in free bets instantly when you place $1 or more on any football game. Head to DraftKings Sportsbook app now. All you got to do is place $1 bet or more. As I said, you're going to get $200 in free bets. It's going to come in $25 bets. You can spread your money out a little bit, a little less pressure than having a $200 free bet. Personally, I'm all about that. DraftKings didn't forget about new customer or about current customers either. All customers can partic participate in the no-brainer bet. We're going to push that spread down for opening night. All customers can double their money as long as Tampa Bay doesn't lose by 74 points. That's going to hit. That's basically free money. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet or more on any college football game. That promo code DNVR to get free $200 in free bets instantly. For a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions to apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Also, Green Mountain Dental Group. Um, I uh, here's, here's another piece of my day. So we have that tailgate tomorrow and uh, we're partnering with all Buffs, which is a really cool site. And they have a parking spot where we are going to have the tailgate. I have a parking pass 
but I need to bring 14 cases of beer to that tailgate. So I need to go uh, like pick up a wagon to, yeah, wagon. I always, I, Brian's been trying to tell me how to say that word, but uh, to, to bring all the beer from the parking spot over to them. So I had to go around town. I had to, I tried Home Depot and then I finally figured out where I could get one. But the whole time I had a Crest White Strip in and they're supposed to be in for an hour. And I thought that that was enough time to be able to go and do all that stuff, grab the wagon, make it back, take it out. And uh, I, I didn't make it back in time. I left it in there for an extra like 30, 45 minutes, something like that. Now my teeth hurt. The reason I had to use that Crest White Strip is because I have not been going to the dentist, which is the way you're supposed to actually take care of your teeth, not just by like bleaching them every day for like three month periods and then taking nine months off. Um, so don't be like me. Go to Green Mountain Dental Group because your teeth matter. And my teeth really, really hurt right now. I'm so thirsty, but this water is really cold. Can't drink it. That's why you go to the dentist and Green Mountain in particular, because they're a really good dentist. Um, we've had a bunch of listeners reach out, say they've had great experiences. Allie, Lindsay, they had their wisdom teeth out. They've, they've praised how Green Mountain treated them. It's a family owned dentistry. They're huge Colorado sports fans. That's obviously like why they are advertising with us. And uh, they're conveniently located just 15 minutes outside of downtown Denver. Um, remember, if you get a cleaning x-ray and exam at Green Mountain Dental, you'll get a free Sonicare toothbrush. It's a great deal. Can't beat it. Okay. Um, so week zero. Um, let's Not see. very exciting. You know, if we're keeping it real, there was sure. a lot of blowouts. Even the games you were kind of hoping for. I mean, I, I was pretty surprised by that Hawaii UCLA outcome. You know, I thought Hawaii would at least hang around and UCLA just comes out right out of the gate jumps on them it's like a three score lead before I can even blink me and Hank both thought UCLA was gonna were gonna be kind of overreated oh oh my goodness I'm getting tongue-tied here Hank and I both thought that UCLA would be overrated now that we have seen them in action I'm kind of curious what are your thoughts on UCLA can they make some noise in the Pac-12 did that game impact your feelings at all? Or is that what a UCLA team should do against Hawaii? Either one of you go ahead and take the floor. Go ahead. Hank. Okay. Um, I think honestly, it probably is what they should do against Hawaii, you know, and, and for those who didn't watch, basically what they did was they just bullied them in the trenches and offensively, they were just like, opening holes that were massive man. for running backs that are like both of them charbonnet and uh britain zach britain so, britain something brown. britain brown thank you uh but both of them they're like six foot one like 200 and something pounds just big strong runners nobody could tackle either of them and they were faster than everybody else and so charbonnet in particular he was just breaking off all these big runs and nobody could do anything to him and then on the other side of the ball the, the, the defensive line was getting into the backfield at will. And, you know, I think that that's something I'm going to take note of that, that UCLA looked strong in the trenches, which is something that I probably would have knocked them for um, coming into this season. What do they look like next week when they play LSU or this week, sorry, uh, two days from now when they play LSU that's going to be the big test to, to see whether that, that difference in the trenches is, is for real because 
the the real complaint I have with them has always been Dorian Thompson Robinson hasn't quite put things together and he was missing some throws out there. And if he's going to be missing throws, you're, you're fine. As long as your running game looks like that and your defense looks like that, what do they look like next to LSU though? People should know Hawaii stopping the run is, you know, kind of been something that's plagued them for the last five years or so. That was the big question mark going in and they got absolutely torched. So not exactly confidence inspiring. If you're a Warriors fan, where I was surprised was how dominant UCLA was defensively. They shut down Cordero. I mean, he's a guy that's, this is going to be his third year playing. He splits, split some reps a couple of years ago, second year as a full-time starter. And I mean, Hawaii's receivers, they did him no favors either. They had a bunch of drops in that game. It was just, it was not good overall, but do you feel better about UCLA's chances in this LSU game after watching that matchup? Or do you, I mean, does that not really impact how you guys are feeling? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I still have some of the same questions that Hank brought up. DTR, I don't think, has been consistent enough, even when he's looked good. Um, I didn't watch the complete game. I just watched highlights and did some box score scouting, so correct me if I'm wrong here. But, I mean, he wasn't very efficient. 10 of 20 through the air, 130 yards. No turnovers, though. Um, Had a couple carries. I just got to say, I'm not surprised in the slightest that Zach Charbonnet had a big game. Um, I was very shocked he got phased out of the Michigan backfield because I thought he was their best running back. Um, and he just comes in for six carries and goes for 106 yards and three touchdowns. It's incredible efficiency. Don't know if he's going to be able to keep that up, but he's a guy that is going to shoulder much of the load this year. And I think he's going to have an impact down the line. Uh, long-term for UCLA though. I don't know. I need to see it against someone better than Hawaii. I think um, again, big test coming up on Saturday. So we'll see there. On DTR, there's, there's one play in particular that's just like burned in my brain where he like rolls out to the left there's a crosser coming from the right all the way across and he's just open. Like, I'm not sure if there's like a cover two or something. So there's like a big hole over here, something like that. And he's wide open 18, 20 yards downfield and DTR just misses him. Like he leaves the ball short. It's he leads him a little bit too far and doesn't even give him a chance to make a play on it. And there's some other throws like that too. And, and by looking at that, I didn't realize he was only 10 of 20, but based on seeing him miss some throws, I'm not too surprised to hear it. And on top of that, it's worth remembering that the big complaint is the turnovers. Like on top of just missing throws, he fumbles the ball and he throws interceptions. And I think the numbers got a little bit better last year, but small sample size. Can you trust it? Uh, I do feel better going the LSU game about UCLA. I'm not, I'm not going to read too much into this though. I mean, I've seen UCLA favored in, in some of these early lines. I'll have to double check it here on DraftKings in just a second. Does that surprise you at all? I mean, I know LSU is coming off of a down year as well. So it's, you know, it's not like they're going against Bama or something like that. But I think, I mean, with, with some of the hype we've seen around LSU in this defense and Derek Stingley Jr., the fact that people have bought in this much into UCLA already, it's kind of surprising just given the lack of success under Chip Kelly. I mean, I'm, I know there were moments last year, but it's like, what has this team done for so many people to be buying in so quickly. Yeah, I'm totally prepared to fade them on Saturday. I mean, LSU is just a completely different beast than Hawaii. Um, I'm going to expect uh, Stingley and Eli Ricks to make it really tough for those receivers to get open. And I'm sure that LSU's got another guy just coming through in that defensive end edge lineup that's just going to wreak havoc on that offensive line and make it make life hell for DTR. Um, Again, the turnovers, that's the big thing. If he can limit those turnovers, I would give them a big chance against LSU just because offensively, I think LSU is going to struggle. But 
again, I need to see it but first before I start to believe it, you know? I know we're yeah. going to talk about these week one games here in just a second, but just since we're still on week zero, was it surprising at all that Nebraska-Illinois was probably the best game of the day? I mean, it was a 10 a.m. mountain kickoff, I believe. It was really early. It might have been 11, but it was a really early kickoff. And that was the best game of the day. I mean, it was competitive. It was interesting. Illinois won. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably are not a big Nebraska supporter, so you felt pretty good when it was all said and done. Any surprises there? I mean, Henry was confident. I mean, he said going in, this was a game Nebraska was going to lose. He talked about the money line. I know he made a little bit of a cash on it himself. Anything, you know, draft-wise we're talking about, I don't know, just I figured we might as well at least talk about this one before we go into week one. Yeah, I mean, Illinois was fine. Um, the only guy, I guess, draft implication-wise that really caught my eye was Luke Ford, the tight end from Illinois. Uh, he's 6'6", 260, just a big guy, junior. Um, made a couple of plays. He had a touchdown. Um, but other than that, just it was really just Nebraska screwing up, honestly. Too many turnovers. Um, Martinez looked good at times. He looked fine running the football. He had that one big run for a touchdown, um, but fumbled the ball through picks or near through near picks. Um, it was just rough all around for Nebraska. They're going to struggle this year, man. Yeah, I think that for CU fans, having the first points of the college football season be a, a punt to Nebraska where the returner catches the ball and runs into the end zone, realizes that he's about to get tackled for a safety and just kind of throws the ball forward, which is not allowed. A lot of Buffs fans had a lot of fun with that game. And, and to, to Nebraska's credit, they came back and made it a game. They fought through all the mistakes that they made to at least give themselves a bit of a chance. I mean, as much as you want to say, you know, being down eight, 80 yards from the end zone with no timeouts is with, you know, 40 seconds on the clock, but, but it could have been a lot worse. And there's a couple plays. I was talking with some of the bus reporters about this a couple days ago. Um, one in particular where there was the targeting call or no, it was a roughing the passer call on a play that was an interception that Illinois threw and it wound up being 30 yards and penalties instead of an interception. And there's stuff like that that changes things. But but yeah, in terms of draft prospects, oh, one more thing. Samori Toure, the receiver, uh, transfer from Montana. He was breaking Randy Moss's playoff receiving records for the FCS level, stuff like that. Uh, he caught the first ball of the day, finished with three for 37. I'm keeping an eye on him. We're going to be talking about him. Um, plays for Nebraska in case that wasn't clear. He had one big catch that was called back for like a hold or something because that's just kind of the, the book on Nebraska. That's what they do when they get a big play. Um, but but that is the other guy I'll point out. Love, tough look for Scott Frost, man. I mean, if this is how it's going to go for 11, 12 games this year for them, God help them because missed extra <laughs> points. It was turnovers. It was just sloppy, sloppy football. For and with that, that got in trouble for practicing too much, it, it sure did not <laughs> look like it in that Illinois game. I mean, it's got to be tough if you're a Huskers fan, this once proud program, and you're sitting here looking for silver linings and a loss to Illinois with a first-year head coach. Like, the mighty have certainly fallen. But it was a fun game. I mean, I enjoyed it. Like I said, it was mostly blowouts. That was probably the, the only other week zero game even worth talking about. San Jose State beat the brakes off Southern Utah. It was like a three-score three game in the first quarter. But Nebraska, Illinois, providing us with a nice little week zero entertainment. At least we got one, right? Like week zero is never good, but we got one competitive game. Hey, man, went down to the final drive. Can't ask for much more in week zero. Cannot. 
and uh, it, it's too late for transitions. Manscaped, we love them. Um, hey, here's here's the thing, Justin. Let's dig into this uh, in detail. So uh, there was like the graphic that the Buffs posted with the new baby Ralphie. Oh yeah, like, little Ralphie, five hundred pounds. And then uh, like the sheep is like 240 or something. And then there's like also a piece of corn, which is a reference to the Huskers. I had a beef with how they phrase. Okay. First of all, the Ram on that is three feet tall, the buff five feet tall, but yet the, the buff is displayed in feet and the Rams. It's like 36 inches tall. I like that. (laughs) They said inches instead of saying it's three feet tall, but anyways, go on. Yeah. Pretty good, right? <laughs> like from a bus perspective, that's a it's all in the details. But uh, all these social media. But what happened though? There was a lot of talk about the sheep's uh, the sheep's testicles. Can you? Is there like a backstory with all of that, Justin? You yeah, dude. The the backstory is that Cam's nuts are freaking huge. You cannot okay. see them. Like you cannot not stare at them when Cam is walking down the field and they're just swaying in the air, dangling there in all their glory. So that's kind of the joke with CSU fans. It's like, you want okay. to do a graphic about size? Let's do a graphic about their uh, their testicle size as well. The number of people who were posting pictures of that sheep's balls was just unbelievable. It was a little weird. It, it, you know, I'm, <laughs> you won't see me posting any pictures of any animal's balls on my Twitter account. I, I, can, and I then can promise my following that. I got stuck <laughs> down like a rabbit hole because I was like, well, if we're doing this, I was wondering where this transition the went, but it was glorious. Like <laughs> it was it was it was a good That's time. That's a good but... point. For perspective, we do need to see a bison's set of testicles if we, we want do. to accurately talk trash. We do. And uh somebody should probably hook uh, Cam the Ram up with a uh perfect package 4.0. Um <laughs> gotta take care of those things. I, I imagine that that's somebody's job on that staff. But he's got to get in there. Right. Right. It's they're important. They're really important, especially I'm not sure if there's like a display. I mean, they got to look good for sure. For sure. So so let's make sure that we get this perfect package 4.0 to whoever's in charge of of handling that for Cam. Um, And who knows? Maybe he's interested in the crop preserver ball deodorant. Um, I'm not sure what's up with his near ear, ear or nose hair, but the weed whacker comes with the uh, performance package 4.0 i guess i, I don't know i'm sheep probably aren't too worried about how much hair they have in their nose who's to say the point is if you're a sheep if you're a person you got to take care of yourself and manscape gives you the tools for the job um like i said perfect package 4.0 is a great option but they've got actually a whole bunch of uh different combinations of things so head over to manscape.com use the promo code dnvr when you check out get 20 percent off and free shipping uh, it's, it's what we all do. It's what everybody should do. And we love manscaped and we love that they support us too. So support them. Okay. So, um, we're through the Thursday games, which typically means that the week is just beginning, but it's a little bit different week. Um, let's jump in. Let's just start with Friday up next. Um, couple of ranked teams, obviously Sam Howell's first game of the season, really exciting going up against Virginia tech. Anything else in that game worth watching? Deami Brown gone, um, running backs gone. Yeah, just seeing who emerges from North Carolina in terms of weapons. Um, that's really all I'm looking for in that. And then just seeing if North Carolina can really cover that spread because if they are in any type of way, the team close to that they were last year, um, they need to cover that spread, man. 
currently five, five and, and a half, half by on the way. DraftKings Sportsbook. I mean, North Carolina, they're kind of in that short list in, in terms of teams that could contend in the ACC outside of Clemson. I'm with Jake here. It's a big prove it game. You know, I mean, probably unfortunate if you're North Carolina that you do start with an ACC opponent, just given that you'd like to kind of build your resume up and get some momentum going. But this is a game they've got to win if they want to be taken seriously this this year in any, you know, playoff conversation, ACC conversation, whatever. Even if Sam Howell, you know, it's a big game for him. He's in the potential number one pick. You know, Henry took him number one in our first mock draft. I think Mel Kuyper has him firmly in the conversation for the number one pick. This is a game that matters a lot for UNC. Absolutely. Um, and, and I'm with you guys. I, I've got to take a minus five and a half. Like, otherwise, we've just kind of been living a lie, right? If we're not going to take this. Let's put your one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Let's do it. When Virginia Tech's been down for a couple of years now, I mean, maybe they're due. I guess there's an argument for that. You Maybe maybe they're finally due for a a good season. But this feels like a game where North Carolina should roll. And, I mean, I I almost feel too confident in in saying that they're going to cover this spread. I mean, Virginia Tech's frisky, man. Um, again, no Khalil Herbert. Um, I believe Hendon Hooker is still there. Uh, no, he's in Tennessee now, so I don't even know who's starting at quarterback for them. Um, it's just going to be completely unknown. I'm just going to rely on Sam Howell, and that's why I'm going to take them, minus five and a half. Um, should, should we touch on local games real quick? Um, I'll, I'll go first. Colorado, Northern Colorado. With the buffs, you're looking at, first of all, Jarek Broussard. Um, likely not headed out to the draft soon, but at, at some point he's going to go. Who knows where? He's not a big guy, but uh, one to watch for sure. Um, in terms of draft prospects this year, I guess Brady Russell tight end could be in that conversation, likely back for another year, I'd guess, regardless of what happens this season. Um, but but definitely an all Pac-12 type of uh, competitor could could be that that's what he's looking for that's the goal for him this year is to get on one of those teams um defensively obviously you got Nate Landman DMVR guy um in the middle of that defense this is his last season he'll be headed to the draft after the year big physical inside linebacker Carson Wells explosive gets into the backfield off the edge um and the stats would say better than just about anybody in the country um, he's another one who could be almost done. And then Terrence Lang on that defensive line as well, six, eight, uh, or I think six, seven, two eighty five. big guy pass rusher has shown flashes. Now it's about just doing it game in game out. And if he does that, obviously with that build, somebody's going to be taking a chance on him. It's a credit to Lang that with the way he moves, he doesn't look like he's that tall. And he's going after the court. Like, I mean, you see the length, obviously, when he's going after the quarterback, but just his explosive his explosiveness, the way he's able to get off of the football. Very interested to see what he's able to do this year. CSU, they've got South Dakota State. We've already talked about it a little bit. Deceptively, a really tough game. Team that's coming off of an FCS national championship appearance. NFL draft implication, obviously, you know, Trey McBride, Scott Patchen, Manny Jones, a lot of the same guys we've been talking about. I'm really interested to see how David Bailey looks, the Boston College transfer running back. If you read Jake's piece, it was awesome breaking down kind of Bailey, McBride, and Dante Wright. Those are the weapons that CSU is going to lean on on offense this year. I want to see what Bailey looks like. I want to see, you know, how this offensive line looks. Are they revamped? And how does the guy that competed really well 
fair in the in the Mountain West after you know competing at a high level in the ACC. A couple of FCS games, very different in terms of CSU and CU, but two games that are going to be worth tuning into just to kind of see where we're at. You know, I, I want to see what happens with Brennan Lewis. I want to see what happens with Todd Santeo. It is week one, but I do think both of these games matter a lot, both for CU and CSU when it comes to, you know, potentially contending for a bowl game and also just kind of seeing where they're at. Second year with both their head coaches, big transition years. I'm, I'm really excited that we have college football back on a local manner and I'm excited to be there in person. Yeah, that's going to be a blast. Um, Michigan State Northwestern, the only other game that really sticks out tomorrow in terms of the, the names um, in terms of prospects, though, I really don't have much for either of these teams. Uh, we got the safety at Northwestern. Um, what's his name? Brendan James or something like that. I can't remember off the top of my head yeah. right now. Um, but he's a guy that has been starting to really build up steam just through the preseason and just in terms of, you know, Twitter scouts and stuff like that. Um, just want to see if he's able to make some plays. That's really all I got, though. I mean, we'll see what happens, but I don't think these teams are really explosive. Um, we'll see. I'm more just interested to see where Michigan state is at. Obviously it wasn't a super successful year under Mel Tucker. This is a game you would expect Michigan state to win as a, as a Mel Tucker skeptic. I, I kind of feel like there's a chance for Northwestern to make some noise in this one and, and pull off a sneaky big win. I, don't, I mean, Michigan up. State did beat Northwestern last year. That's worth keeping in uh, worth keeping in mind, I suppose. Good point. All right. Um, Saturday. Where do we start? Yeah, Penn State, Wisconsin at 10 a.m. Man, big Big Ten matchup right off the bat. As as frustrating as it probably is for some of these teams having to play these Big Ten games early in the season. You know, if you're in Minnesota, for instance, you just hung with Ohio State. I guess the counter is maybe it's better to get them early in the season because you have a better chance of an upset. But I I picked I think Wisconsin has a chance to contend with Ohio State in the Big Ten this year. But this is a tough way to start the schedule. I mean, you know, Penn State kind of a lot of unknowns that are coming off of a weird year. Mm-hmm. Where are you guys at with this? Wisconsin five and a half point favorites, minus two twenty on the money line via DraftKings. Yeah, I, I want to cheer for Graham Mertz. Go ahead, Hank. I might, this might not be the best betting advice, but I'm going into this saying I want Graham Mertz to be a Bronco. Um, Or he's one of the guys I'd like to see be a Bronco if things don't go well at quarterback. Um, And so I'm, I'm rooting for him because I mean, really, isn't that what Broncos fans should be doing at this point? It's like all these draft eligible quarterbacks, all of them are good. And if you wind up with eight who you're like, huh, it looks like a future starter to me. That means wherever the Broncos pick, they're going to have at least one or two available Maybe this year they pull the trigger. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm going Wisconsin. There isn't really anybody at Penn State that that makes me too excited about them. I think five and a half is, is maybe just a little bit too wide, but we talked about the home field advantage this year, and Wisconsin has that, and that's enough to put me over the edge. On top of that, um, real, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say real quick, Penn State does have uh, Jahan Dotson, the wide receiver. Okay. He made a big impact last year. Um, he's returning this year, of course, with Clifford. Um, so we'll see if he's able to continue what he was building up last year. Awesome. And then Wisconsin, they have louder milk, right? Um, I think he he was last year. Uh, he was in the draft in April, I believe. Was he? Is okay. he a louder milk? Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't remember. Um, yeah. But to build off Hink's point, 
I'm siding with Graham Mertz in this one also. It's worth mentioning he caught COVID during the season last year too. Um, huh. So that's kind of why you saw him obviously not play a couple games, uh-huh. but just not really up to form uh, towards the end of the season. Um, they did hang around a bit with uh, Ohio State in that Big Ten title game, but of course it wasn't really that close when it came down to it. Um, I just believe this team is more talented, frankly. I think they're more talented at quarterback. I think they're more talented in the trenches. I think they have a coaching advantage. Uh, I'm going to take Wisconsin and the points uh, minus five and a half. Cool. Anything else? All right, let's let's talk Alabama, Miami then, because that's a 1.30 p.m. Mountain Time kickoff. I'm also interested in Fresno State, Oregon at 12, but Alabama, 19 and a half point favorites, obviously first start for Bryce Young. Where are you guys at with the Canes on this one? You know, no Jalen Phillips. I know there's some questions, you know, a big question mark for them is how healthy they're going to be, especially at quarterback, but 19 and a half points, do the Crimson Tide cover that spread? I'm just going to, off the bat, I'm just going to say I think Alabama covers this, and I think it's not even really close. Um, I am Kind of like that USC game a couple of years back. Exactly. The Michigan one about 10 years ago also. Yeah, I mean, Alabama on opening weekend in these kickoff games, I'm always going to pick them. Um, really, really very interested to see if Derek King is healthy um, and if he can come back and just ball out, man. I mean, he was really on fire last year, and it really sucked to see him go down because he was passing and running at a high level. Um, you know, less talented overall Miami is this year, I'd say, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I just don't expect them to hang with Alabama. Um, we'll see as they get into the ACC schedule, but this is, I think this is just going to be a blowout. I agree. All these big numbers when you have a new quarterback scares me, but if I'm picking a side, I'm taking Alabama side. Um, yeah, I think Jake hit everything else. San Jose State, USC is low-key one of the games I'm most excited for this weekend. USC, 14-point favorites, and I think there's some sneaky uh, chance for San Jose State fans to make some money here just in terms of the reigning Mountain West champs. They've already played a game. They looked really great. Now, granted, it was obviously against Southern Utah, so you kind of have to take it with a grain of salt. But they got their offense back. They've got a defense that's awesome. Cade Plath, really talented at defensive end, had 10 sacks last year in just seven games. They've got their leading tackler back in Kyle Harmon. All of us have been kind of pretty open about our skepticism for USC at various points over the last, you know, six months, year. I guess, where are you at? I mean, it's it's week one. Are you on the slowest train? Is this a game they're going to win? I I'm tempted to take San Jose state on the money line, even at plus four thirty-five, just because the value's there. Yeah. I think, you know, USC is going to blow at least one game that they shouldn't lose this season. And this fits that category because they are more talented and they're pulling in big, fast, strong guys. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to take San Jose state in this one. And that might just be an overreaction to, to how I felt about UCLA last week. Um, but I mean, I, I could absolutely see it. I could see the mistakes. I could see this being a close game that, that USC, you know, is, is like in the lead, but, but kind of just holds kind of a one score lead. Maybe there's an interception here or there. And I, I almost feel like it's, it's not, I don't want to call it pro style offense, but pro offenses have kind of moved toward being air raid. And I think that you just accept that any quarterback is probably going to throw 
a pick every other game just based on a bad read or a ball in a bad place, not necessarily because it's a great play by the other team. And that's kind of one of the downfalls, I think, that if they aren't just going to line up and pound the rock with Keontae Ingram, the, the running back who transferred there from Texas, who's worth keeping an eye on, Vivey Malpei, another guy. Oh, he might transfer now that I think of it. Um, but but, but if, they, if they're just going to throw the ball, I think that that does kind of open things up for San Jose State a little bit. Also, Drake take, London, the receiver, yeah. Drake Jackson, edge rusher. Those are the those are the guys to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Super stoked to see Drake London back in action. He was on fire last year throughout the whole season, um, and he's just got a dominant body. I mean, he's massive, and he's just going to be running over guys. That being said, I think I'm going to take San Jose plus 14 here, um, a team that's been really good defensively over the past few years. Um, they were really nice last year, especially on that side of the ball. And I just don't think that USC, I mean, 14 points just feels like a bit much for them, especially at this point. Um, I don't know. I just kind of want to wait and see before I lay that many points with USC. It's early. I know we haven't seen them. Where are you guys at with this USC offensive line? Obviously lost Elijah Vera Tucker to the NFL draft. I think that's where this game is won or lost for San Jose State. Their strength and lies in that front seven. They return everybody on the defensive line. They return all their leading tacklers, a linebacker. If they can wreak havoc, if they can get after Slovis and, you know, be in his face consistently, there's probably an opportunity to force some turnovers, you know, maybe create a big player too. Yeah. I, mean, I, I, I got to admit though, I don't know much about the USC offensive line as of now. So yeah. I, uh, I just pulled it up. Because uh, I also don't know too much. The the one name I do recognize is Andrew Voorhees, uh, the, the guard who is definitely an NFL draft prospect. Outside of that, though, I, I almost wonder, is this a younger group? One freshman, four seniors. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. There'd be a lot of guys that have kind of, you know, been twos, you know, the last couple of years. Now it's their shot to kind of take that next level. Yeah. And I don't know much. I know that. I'm I'm not the offensive line guy, but but Voorhees is. I I'm, there's another Voorhees, so I think he's related to. This is where we need Dre. This is where Dre exactly. shines. Is exactly. Let's Maybe talk Clemson, Georgia. Then you know, let's let's not let's even bore it. people. Cool. We're gonna have to see how USC is, but I will say that USC San Jose State game worth watching because I want to see can San Jose State repeat some of the success they were able to establish last year despite weird circumstances. Can USC take it to the next level? Because I think outside of Oregon, maybe Washington, Pac-12 is probably there for the taking for one of those teams. CU maybe, depending on how confident you feel about the buffs. But uh, I just want to see, you know, can USC do it? Because I feel like they've been right on the verge there. But like Hank said, they just always seem to lose at least a game or two that they should probably win. Anyways, Clemson, Georgia, DJ Ugalele. First start this season at Clemson. We saw him in a small sample size last year. He was awesome. Georgia, JT Daniels, you know, some noise to potentially be a contender in the SEC outside of Alabama. I'm I'm just so confident in Clemson after the last five years or so. It's, it's really hard for me to see them losing a week one game. Even as confident in Georgia as, as I am, is there a path to an upset in this one or is this one where Georgia's just going to have to take the lumps and try and recover afterwards? I definitely think there's a path to a Georgia upset here. I mean, you know, DJ's still a very young quarterback and just from some reports I've kind of seen on the internet, it looks like he's looks like he struggled at times in camp. 
Um, and if your first test of the year is going to be a Kirby smart defense loaded up with guys from all over the South part of the country, um, that Great are four point. or five star recruits, that's a pretty uh, tough test, man. Um, that being said, I do, I still have my doubts about JT Daniels. That's who I'm most interested to see in this game. I guess outside of DJ is, has he grown in his game at all? Um, can he be more than a game manager? You know, can he just really read the defense and actually get them into the right play and to get the ball to the right receiver? Um, I have a lot of faith in Georgia defensively, and I think that's why I'm leaning Georgia plus three here. Um, I feel Ooh, like I, I like might it. eat my words, but I, I don't know. I just feel like that Georgia defense is going to be tough to take down. I, I agree with Jake that there's a path, and, and that I do think that this will be a pretty competitive game. I'm still taking Clemson on that spread, though. Just I, I when you have Ugalele, you you combine him with Justin Ross coming back. That is something that I can look at and say, I like this. I I I think they're going to be able to put up some points. I guess at the same time, you do look at Zamir White on the other side. The running back is maybe similar, and I don't know much about what either team is in the in the trenches, but who knows. I, I am going with uh, uh, Clemson, though. Um, also, the other the other name we should mention, Darian Kendrick, transferred from Clemson to Georgia, the cornerback. Gonna gonna be fun to watch him. I I wouldn't be surprised. I wish we could bet on player props here because I would take him to get a pick or something. Right. Um, I don't know. I'm still. I look at the Georgia front seven um, with Jordan Davis, uh, Adam Anderson, and the other edge that can't remember his name at the moment and I just kind of expect them to really cause havoc for DJ I know he's mobile I know he can improvise um, but if they're able to play coverage in the back end and really kind of confuse him for a bit I think those guys are going to get home and make a difference um, you know maybe a strip sack in this game is really what kind of tips the scales in their favor um, and I'm just going to bet on Kirby Smart's defense to really confuse the young quarterback I love it man I love everything that you guys just said I still lean Clemson I just, I, with what we saw from Ugalele against Notre Dame, I have a hard time seeing, you know, this Clemson coaching staff not come out with a script that puts him in a position to succeed. That said, as Jake already alluded to, you're going against one of the best defensive minds in college football. If anybody can slow down this Clemson offense, it's Kirby Smart. He's had all summer to do it. I'm just pumped it's here. We already kind of talked about the the UCLA LSU game a little bit. LSU now uh, two and a half point favorites on DraftKings Sportsbook. Just real quick before we kind of talk about probably the last game of the night, Nevada Cal. I'm gonna take LSU. I guess I I would take them at the money line at minus one forty. Where do you guys lean in this game? Is can, can UCLA pull the upset? They are at home, I believe, which you know helps their cause. Hank. You know, how do you feel about this one? I'm going to take LSU to cover. I And honestly, the reason why is just because, like, if, if you're torn in a game like this, and I kind of am, I, I think that I'm lower on both of these teams than, than a lot of people are. If, if you're torn between LSU and UCLA, I feel like it's pretty clear which side you should kind of err on. And, and that side is LSU. And, and that's honestly my thought process. Yeah, I'm kind of going along with that. Um, I know LSU's got a lot more uncertainty, especially on the offensive side of the ball. 
Um, they do have Keyshawn Booty, a guy he's wearing the number one at LSU. He played really nicely as a freshman last year. Um, I don't care who's throwing him the football. If they can get the ball in his hands, he's going to make some plays. And I'm just betting on LSU defensively. I think um, I know they were very, very shaky last year, but that secondary is looking really nice. And we've seen that DTR can struggle throwing the ball through the air. I'm going to take LSU minus two and a half. All right. Justin, hey, last game. Uh, yeah, I'm going to take LSU. I, okay. I think they cover that That's spread. Right. Um, at minus two and a half, you probably get value, but I'm almost tempted to take the money line just in case you right. get a, a freak instance where they win by one or something. And then, you know, it doesn't. That's going to be it a doesn't fun game. screw you there. Yeah. Pac-12 so versus SEC. That, that and Clemson, oh. Georgia are probably the best games. And, and then this game that I'm about to bring up, and that is Nevada at Cal. Really awesome test because you've got a good defensive team in Cal, at least that flashed last year. Mm-hmm. And one of the most explosive offenses in, in Nevada, they got Carson Strong back. They've got Cole Turner back at tight end, one of the best deep threats, and Romeo Dubs, a wide receiver. I'm all in on Nevada this year. Like I'll, I'm, At this point, I'm, I'm pushing all my chips on the table. I think Carson Strong is going to flash. I think he's going to be one of the top four quarterbacks taken when it's all said and done. If they're going to do that, he's probably going to have to have a good year. Like I don't see a situation where they go seven and five and he still is able, he's still able to, to go that high. I really like Nevada's chances to pull the upset here, but I just didn't get to watch a ton of Cal last year. And, and because of that, it makes me a little bit nervous. And I know they were one of the, the, the tougher teams, one of the tricky ones. Hank, what's your Cal assessment right now? I think that, this is going to be a fun matchup just because of the way these teams are built. Like you said, Cal, Cal is defense first. That's what they've been since Justin Wilcox took over. Um, Quoney Dang is still there. Cameron Good still there. A couple of linebackers who just make things tough. Um, just kind of like, like a solid defense throughout, but offensively not explosive at all kind of in like the Washington mold where you just say like, okay, you're really good defensively, but how are you going to score points? Cal just not quite even to that level. Um, Chase Garber is back at quarterback. I think he's got to be a senior now. Um, yeah. Red shirt senior. So he's been around not all that exciting though. Again, just not an explosive offense veteran group. You could see though, how, if, if, if they can give up just a couple of big plays, that to me is kind of the path to beating them. And in week one, you would think is when this defense is going to be at its leakiest. Yeah. I think you just nailed it, Hank. I mean, you took all the points I had out of my mouth. Um, like you said, Justin Wilcox has really kind of emphasized defense at his time in Cal. Um, I didn't get a chance to watch that much of them last year, but in 2019, they were pretty strong defensively. Uh, I think what it comes down to, though, is just Nevada and how explosive they can be. I mean, this game can easily just turn on one or two plays, an uh, 85, 75-yard pass from Carson Strong, and all of a sudden it's an upset and going Nevada's way. Um, that's why I'm going to take them uh, plus three and a half. I mean, money line's plus 150, not really tremendous odds on the money line, but I think it's something worth looking at. I'm in two. I'm, I'm on Nevada's side. And on top of that, I think – I think Nevada is something like plus 450 to, to win the Mountain West. They are, yeah. I already, I already got some money on that. There's great value there. Boise State, the preseason pick. I get it. They've won the league a ton since joining in 2011. 
and, and they've looked really solid against UCF tonight, although UCF has torn back to take the lead. I'm looking forward to watching the end of this fourth quarter here. But uh, great value, San Jose State or Nevada. You can get either of those teams at like plus 450, plus 500. There's just enough talent there. And I feel pretty confident in saying that both of those teams are better than Boise State. So if you're if you're willing to put some money down on the Mountain West, I would lean there. But you know, that's pretty much it. I know this was this episode was kind of all over the place. It's early. We're still learning a lot about these teams. And you know, we try and keep it real with you guys. We try and tell you, you know, what we do know and we try and, you know, be real when we don't know a ton about a team. And and that's all we can do. Keep it honest. This has been fun though. I'm I'm really looking forward to having this podcast. I'm looking forward to having Dre back throughout the season. You guys got any final thoughts you want to shout out before we wrap it up here? I'm excited to watch the last ten minutes of this Boise game. Yeah. Me too, man. Me too. All right. This is the DNVR Draft Podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. I'm Justin Michael. My guys, Hank and Jake. Thank you for listening. Can't wait to digest and then kind of break down these week one games next week while I've obviously just a lot larger sample size. I mean, week zero was kind of wonky, so we didn't have a whole lot to talk about coming into this one, but it's going to be fun. Word. That's all we got. Have a great week.